This week on Florida's Fourth Estate, cleanup on aisle everywhere. Another organic grocer turns the lights out on the Sunshine State. Can't figure it out. I think what's happening is the market can't sustain all these things. Plus, remember lost kids on milk cartons? Now we have lost dogs on beer cans. This is a story everyone can drink to. With the dogs, I was like, Told my husband, I was like, oh my gosh, that looks like hazel. And this week's guest addresses one of Florida's biggest dangers. Really? Damn it. Rachel Manny, a bike rider advocate, tells us why Florida is so incredibly bad at protecting people on our roads. It is the most dangerous place to walk or ride a bicycle in the U.S. Hi there, and welcome to another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. We brought in some heavy hitters filling in for Ginger this week. Some might call him the greatest reporter of a generation. Oh, no, we're not. Mike Holfeld, <laughs> investigator. And I am excited for this podcast because you are. A lot, I am. Believe it or not, <laughs> okay. I am. Because a lot of people see you on TV, mm -hmm. they see your serious journalist right. side, they see right. you changing laws and mm -hmm. winning awards. Mm -hmm. But what they don't know about Mike Holfeld is he's one of the funniest human beings uh, I've ever met. I love your sense of humor. Thank you. And I'm excited uh, to see that in the show today. And you're bringing us a fascinating guest and a very interesting a topic. good friend of mine, uh, Rachel Manny, who I met few weeks ago. She's the uh, national director for bike law and she's doing great work around the country and now she's here in central Florida uh, fighting to change the law and we're working with her on this and we think she's a special person. We love what she's supporting and uh, it's going to be a home run ball because we're going to get the law changed. It's going to be good stuff and uh, it's good to have you here Rachel. Just talking to you for a few minutes I can tell Mike and I are way dumber than you so <laughs> I am excited to learn some things from yeah, you. I've, I've got you fooled. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right good well I look forward to uh, to seeing how this all goes. It's going to be great. We always start off with a few Florida headlines and another one bites the organic dust. Yeah. Another yeah. grocer goes down. We've said goodbye to Lucky's. And now Earth Fair, these things have uh, really planted a bunch of these places in Central Florida. There's four of them. Uh, they're natural, they're organic. They recently opened a bunch of locations and now they're saying, nope, every location, not just in Florida, all up the Eastern seaboard, wherever they've opened one of these, they are closing down. Mike, I know you're really heavily involved in business around here. What's going on? I, I can't figure it out. I, I think what's happening is the market can't sustain all these things, even though they're popular. And I know there was talk uh, that the Trader Joe's was going to fill in at Lucky's over at Apopka. Yeah. Don't think that's going to happen. I think really? that's wishful thinking. <clears throat> and then the other thing we heard was that the Melbourne Lucky's was going to stay in business. Yeah, it was going to be the one that sticks no, around. No, I don't think that's going to be either. Uh, I've heard that investors are pulling out of that one as well. So it, it's an interesting dynamic. I just don't think the market can sustain all of these things, and Publix remains the world champion. Right. Uh, what, what do you think? You, you shopping? Hey. What do you think? Yeah, so I moved to Central Florida from yeah. Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, we had both a Trader Joe's and an Earth Fair. Uh, no, no luckies. Um, but, you know, one of the things that might help some of these smaller chains or businesses uh, sustain and thrive is if there were some more equitable accessibility, you know, that if we look at the way that people get to and from the places they want to go, and of course the demographic of, of folks that are looking for organic markets, being able to ride your bike or walk or, you know, pick a different form of transportation 
transportation to get there might, um, you know, give them a little bit of a leg up. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Uh, we definitely have a Trader Joe's. There's one in Winter Park. Oh, I love it. It yeah. does really well. Yeah. But you can't find a park there. Mm. There's like four right. parking spots no. for the entire grocery store. If you saw the, the way they set up Lucky's over in Apopka, it's magnificent. And yeah. they spend a lot of money on a brand new building, and now they're walking away from it. Right. The backstory on that is Kroger's, which is big in Michigan, had the investment down there on the table. Uh, and then decide to pull the money. So that's why you're seeing this domino effect. It's it's unbelievable. It's yeah. too bad because it's great to have those those various stores. It is, and you make a good point about Publix. It just always just keeps on rolling. They're the world Very champs. well-run business, yeah. that's for sure. What else you got for us? All right, let's talk about dogs on beer cans, my friend. Oof. There is a beer company in Florida. They're mm-hmm. in Bradenton, soon to open up a location in Orlando. Okay. They had this great idea. I don't know if you're a pet lover, but yeah, they absolutely. put shelter dogs on their beer cans and say you're like, sipping a beer and you're like look at this schnauzer here okay i want to adopt this thing so they they do this and these people look at this dog and they say that looks like the missing dog from another state i think it was michigan yeah and uh turns out this dog the the people lost the microchip information couldn't find their dog they find it on this beer can it was minnesota Minnesota. Wow. The dog named Day Day was a shelter dog chosen to be featured on MotorWorks brewing beer cans in Minnesota. Thing went viral and a happy ending. Look at that. Well, that's nice. Yeah. I was looking at the dogs. I was like, telling my husband, I was like, oh my gosh, I, that looks like Hazel. I feel blessed that my, my baby's going to get to come home and I get her back. I wonder if it was, well, that looks like Hazel or it was. Oh, that looks kind of. I, I was going to say. I mean, <laughs> look at this. This is incredible. Beer goggles or no? <laughs> I don't know. All the dogs look adoptable <laughs> yeah. on a beer can. That's right. After one or two. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Good stuff. So I love that yeah, story. That's good. I uh, like it. But you're in for a treat because we I can't have wait. the best segment on podcast. I heard. Hit it. And now your Floridian <laughs> of the week. All right, this one brings joy to my heart right here, okay? This person was driving down the road at 95 miles an hour. You would think if you were carrying a lot of drugs, you'd be going the speed limit. I know I would, but I don't carry a lot of drugs too often. So this person was carrying meth, cocaine, fentanyl, MDMA, Oh, Anything to do with drugs on I-95. The gang is all here. All right. right, no beer cans, though. Yeah. No, no beer. <laughs> okay. Now, where would you hide your drugs if you're driving down I-95 at 95 miles an hour? Of course, in a bag that says bag of, of drugs. drugs. <laughs> so I don't know if you can see it in the picture we just put up. There are tons oh, there of it drugs. Is. Yeah. It is labeled bag full of drugs you know i've got to commend them on their executive functioning skills their organization <laughs> is i mean that's a 10 out of 10 and the spelling's good too <laughs> there we go you word for word you wouldn't want to mess it up and be, <laughs> grab the wrong bag you're expecting cheetos you get yeah. drugs what are you calling this the floridian this of the is day? the floridian yeah. of the week i had won the brains of an after dinner mint award which, which, <laughs> yeah. which i'd like to bestow occasionally <laughs> Uh, oh, and, and they win. That would work. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll do that I on, think we on the off days. I think we should. All right. So those are our stories for the week. Now it's time to dig into yeah. the reason we are all here, which is because Florida is astoundingly bad at protecting pedestrians and bicyclists. The worst. Yeah. yeah when, I, when I did the first story, it was people here at work that came to me. 
We put that story on the air, Matt. You remember the ghost bikes, yep. remembering people that had remembering people that had died. And Rachel reached out to me, and I thought, this is fantastic, someone that can give me the pulse of how bad this is. And, and Rachel, you've collected video from, I guess, all over the world, huh? Yeah, so Bike Law um, is partnered with a company called Cyclic, and they develop um, cycling technology. They're integrated bike lights and video cameras, um, and they affix to the front or the rear of, of your bicycle. Um, but one of the things that we're working with them on doing is creating a database that's right now, it's global, um, where cyclists are able to upload the video evidence that they have and the objective is to get that in the hands of the appropriate agencies law enforcement i mean if you need an attorney to represent you right. if there is actually a crash mm -hmm. um you know obviously bicycle laws are different from state to state and what we do here in the u.s is very different from what they may do in spain or in france or in germany or in australia or you know all around the world um, but it gives all of us as a global community an opportunity to kind of look at the epidemics that the community is facing and figure out the best way to address and mitigate them. So you call it an epidemic. It is. Tell me how bad it is. I mean, I know it's really bad across the mm -hmm. country. Let's talk about Florida since we're the worst. Sure. How bad is it here? It's really bad. Um, if we look at approximately 850 cyclist deaths nationally right. last year, Florida claims about 18 and a half percent of those. Oh my. Almost 150, 720 <clears throat> pedestrian deaths. Um, it is the most dangerous place to walk or ride a bicycle in the U.S. Why? I think that there's a lot of factors or variables that contribute to the why. One of them is separated land usage. If you look at the way that Florida is developed, both commercially and residentially, in order to get from one place in the state to the next, you have to use these high-speed arteries that will connect you from, from one place to the next. Um, commuting by bicycle isn't really an available option. So we're It's not easy. Right? No. It's no. not. It's not at all. So for me, I live very close to Claremont, which is kind of the epicenter of Central Florida cycling because we have a lot of, you know, it's all relative, but topographical uh, changes, um, elevation changes. Uh, but in order for me to get from where I live to here, there's there's no way that I could commute. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess I could probably figure it out. It might take me three days, but I have to get on the turnpike, you know, where the speed limit is 70. If I'm not going 75, I'm getting beeped at, right? So sure. um, it's just not conducive to human-powered transportation. And there's a resentment factor too, Matt. 100%. Remember the video clip that we have? Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's, I'd like to, Let's yeah. show the folks the video we have that really illustrates how bad this problem is. What the? Really? Uh, you can feel Look the at this anger. here. Watch this. Oh. The truck goes yeah. right by them. And Yeah, let's watch this last one here that you pointed out. Where this person comes like yeah. in right. between so, the bikers. That's absolutely right. right. And, and I want to point out that, um, so all of those videos on that reel that you just showed were given to me by some of our bike law ambassadors. These are personal experiences that m my, my friends have, have had. Um, the one with the burgundy pickup truck that was in Alabama. Um, and and it's, it's something that happens more often than not. It happens all the time in all places all over the country. Um, in Florida specifically, you know, a 
close pass like that is is illegal. We do have a three foot safe passing law. Um, one of the issues, though, with with pieces of legislation like that is that they're incredibly difficult to enforce um, for for obvious. Yeah, reasons. you can't measure three right. feet. It's really it's hard. Not really difficult. I know that I could not tell the difference between two feet eleven inches and and three sure, feet, no, right? And no, especially yeah. if you're on a bicycle or if you're in a vehicle, um, and the awareness of those existing pieces of legislation is, the, is pretty nominal. The people I've talked to, the writers, the one gentleman told me I feel like a sitting duck out there. Yeah. And so when the story was introduced to me and the issue, obviously my thought was we need to change the legislation. We have law enforcement on board now. Uh, Orange County Sheriff Mina is on board. Uh, Sheriff Chitwood, he, he texted me and said, I'm in. I sent him the stories. He's a big biker. I know he is. Yeah. And remember, he was injured a few years he ago. Was, he, he was. He was hit. hit. And also his sergeant was killed um, about a year and a half ago on a training ride um, at an, an intersection in a residential community. So, you know, I, I think that what we're experiencing here transcends all of these different subgroups of people. You know, if you I get agree. together 10,000 cyclists the only thing they may have in common is the fact that they ride a bicycle. I mean, this is a bipartisan, it is a, a completely inclusive, dynamic, mm-hmm. um, and diverse group of people. So let's talk about, I know when this comes up, there are a lot of drivers out there who don't ride bikes on the roads, and they say, look, these bikers are the problem. Mm-hmm. They're blowing through stop signs, they're getting in the middle of the road. Is there, playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. here, is there a place for the bikers to take a little more responsibility on the roads as well? I think that, um, so that's a loaded question, and I think the answer is nuanced because I think there's an opportunity for everyone to be more responsible mm-hmm. on the road. I think that part of the problem is that we're segregating or we're separating people who ride bicycles and people who drive cars. So if we go back to the question of why Florida is so dangerous, one of the things we talk about is the being relegated to pick four wheels over two. Um, But what people don't realize, especially here, is that most people that ride a bike, at least recreationally, also drive a car. So for me, I'm part of both communities. I'm not one or the other. My preference would be to be able to ride my bike you know, everywhere I go and not have to get in my car. Um, but I'm part of, of both groups of, of people. So, mm-hmm. you know, sharing the road is a reciprocal act for sure. Um, and I think that something that needs to be considered is that with greater power should come greater responsibility, right? So if I don't think we need to talk about the disparity between the killing potential of a motorist in a car and someone on a pedal cycle. Yeah. The thing I, I found, though, Matt, in, in Orlando, for instance, they have these things where it's marked. In fact, we have one right out of our studios here with the bike icon on it. There's no way I'm going to feel safe riding in that little path. No way. I mean, we have video, and Rachel's seen this, where the mirrors go right by the, the rider by inches. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. You are at risk. There's no doubt about it. And we need to have infrastructure that accommodates riders. That's right. And not put them and make them, as he said, a sitting duck. That's it's right. ridiculous. That's right. How, how do you feel as a biker when you're in those? Because I see it. We see it all the time. Yeah. Drive folks. It looks like they have about two feet on the side of a road where you're going 45 miles an hour. Right. It makes my blood pressure go up just thinking about it. Right. So, you know, I think that my perspective is unique because I'm not just a cyclist, but, you know, um, We represent cyclists who are in need of representation, whether it be for a crash or whether it's the family member of a deceased cyclist. Um, And so my perspective is is very different because nobody's calling me on their best day. You know, every time somebody picks up the phone to call me, it's the worst day of their life. And so um, 
as a cyclist myself, I try not to focus on the potential for injury or death. At the same time, situational awareness is is really important. You know, critical thinking and making reasonable decisions. You know, just because I can doesn't mean I should. And that kind of gets back to what Mike was saying that just because there's a bike lane exactly. doesn't necessarily mean that I feel secure riding in that bike lane. Um, it's better than not having a bike lane 100% of the time. Don't don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. We are complete uh, proponents of whatever infrastructure we can get. But just to put things in perspective, you know, it costs approximately $10 million to build one mile of highway. And what we're talking about as cycling advocates is a bucket of paint. Essentially, you know, yeah, so sure. the delta between the two. Sure. Exactly, exactly. What else can we do, though? I, I, I'm thinking out loud with you here, but I'm just wondering, should we put something, a, a plastic wall or something? I, I've seen, I think it was in California where they do that. I just feel like I would be at risk. I mean, you ride. Don't you feel right. like so nervous there out are, there? You know, there are some places in Florida. We can look at Tampa as, as an example. Okay. They're starting to implement protected bike lanes. Um, there are places all over the country that do have that type of infrastructure. It's absolutely better better than than no protection or no bike lane at all. The other issue is connectivity, right? So in order for a bike lane to be useful, you have to be able to complete your trip. So if you have a bike lane, that's exactly right. We've seen that. That's exactly right. So then the cyclists are being forced to homogenize with high speed motor traffic. You're going to have a problem when when that occurs. So, okay, let's make it real simple for folks. If there is one change you could Mm -hmm. see in Florida, whether it's the laws or the infrastructure or what have you, what do you think the one thing we could really push for and do that would save lives? Um, so the single greatest uh, predictor of, of bike safety is ridership, you know, meaning the more people that are on bicycles, the safer the cyclists are, regardless of whether or not there's a celebrated car culture. If we look at places like the Netherlands, um, you know, where a very large, a majority of trips taken are, are done by bicycle, the reason that there's such a low prevalence of crashes isn't just the celebrated bike culture, but it's ride share. So the, the, the number of trips taken by bike and the number of people riding. If those two numbers are high, then your prevalence of crash fatalities is low. Um, so infrastructure would probably be the, the best preventative way mm-hmm. to improve things, but that costs money. The best way to respond to things more appropriately would be a piece of legislation called a vulnerable road user law. Uh, Bike Law would like to name that the David McGrin Act uh, in honor of David McGrin, who is the veteran that was killed this past summer um, riding by the airport. Um, but what that does is it gives law enforcement, prosecutors, the judicial system, Uh, the ability to assess more proportionate penalties for motorists who cause bodily injury or death to a vulnerable road user. That doesn't just include cyclists. It's pedestrians. It's children getting off of school buses. It's construction workers, motorcyclists, which is a really big deal. We can all agree on Mm -hmm. these. Absolutely. So what we're talking about is a, a, a blanket solution that is beneficial to all communities. Delaware already does this. That's my home state. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's effective. So it's happening. Oh, it's happening. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. We already have laws on the books in other states so we can say, look, they do it here. We'd like to see Florida go one better. Yeah. 
This and, is, and we need to. A hundred percent, because it's 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 a unique period in time. I think that there are a lot of buzzwords that circulate or all around the country. And I think that bike safety is something that is um, a popular thing to, to talk about mm-hmm. right now, which is good because we are experiencing the highest number of crash fatalities that we have in over three decades. So when we look at automotive collisions, they're decreasing. Fatalities from motorists to motorists are, are decreasing. The only mortality rate that we're seeing rising uh, um, in, in traffic incidents is amongst the, the pedestrian and cycling community. Right. That's what were the numbers on that, Rachel? 100 and 749 pedestrian deaths, 149 cycling deaths. I and, mean, almost 5, 000, and almost 5,000 yeah. motorcyclist deaths. And the majority killed. of those motorcyclists were wearing helmets. And yeah. so there's a lot of counterproductive conversation that circulates when we talk about crash fatalities, regardless of, of, of who that, that person uh, is that was, right. was killed. Um, but the bottom line is, is that there has to be a preventative measure, and then there has to be a responsive measure. You know, I find that fascinating. I feel like if the bikers, the pedal bikers, mm-hmm. and the motorcycle mm-hmm. bikers merge together, I feel like a lot could get done but i don't are are there a lot of motorcycle bikers who are are Um, joining you you know i i don't i consider us to all be part of the same group you know so i look at this as humanity in in general you know just talking about what everybody deserves and you know the fact that it should should be very equitable yeah but it's a numbers game you need people to get your support that that's right right critical mass is a thing right so so when we talk about a community of people that may previously um, be uh, more likely to be defended by legislators than another community, and we can put those people together, then all of a sudden the platform becomes that much stronger. And Mm -hmm. so what we have now in Florida's legislative sessions this year, Senator Baxley and Representative McLean have introduced a Vulnerable Road User Act um, into the sessions, and we're just waiting uh, and hoping that it doesn't get um, held up or killed in, in well, sub. Does it have a shot, Mike, you I, think? It might. It has to go through, remember how it works, it has to go through six subcommittees, yeah. three on the House, where well, you've been through yeah, this been before, right. yeah. three on the Senate. We're hopeful if it doesn't get through, we're going to push it full full court press next session. But there's a chance, and, yeah. and, and Rachel is doing great work on this. We're continuing the momentum on the air. With this sort of podcast, we thank you for, for having us do this because this is definitely an important issue. And it's not going to go away. I'm not going to let it go away. Any support from the House Speaker, the Senate President? Have you heard how they feel about this? Because that's always what it comes down to. Yeah, you know, I think that there are there are so many things that, that people identify as being important priorities, mm-hmm. you know, for change. That when you look at that list, you know, who am I to say that one is more important than the other? You know, I certainly don't trivialize the needs of of somebody else. But this is something that really, it is a very economical um, and easy fix to a significant problem. And, you know, if Florida wants to continue to be the worst at these things, then by all means, we can continue down this road, you know, kind of turning. That's an easy road. You know what I mean? If we want to be the Floridians um, (laughs) when it comes to transit, or we have this opportunity to kind of trailblaze the way because the language in these proposed VRUs are the best that that I've seen across the country. I know she was excited when we saw the language. She really likes it. And I think that's something that what we are supporting it. But I think everyone listening should support it too. You've got kids on bicycles. You've got your husband on the weekend enjoying 
a bike ride, why should they be at risk? Yeah. Walkers, the bus stops. Yes. Right. You have a lot and, of kids at bus and stops. And just, just to clarify, you know, the VRU doesn't stop the crashes from happening. But what we've found is that if we look back to like the 1980s and what Candy Leitner did for drunk driving, right? Mm-hmm. She created this stigma that made driving drunk unacceptable, socially unacceptable. But we're seeing an uptick in drunk driving crashes, you know, so so trying to mitigate bad driver behavior is kind of impossible. Right. Of course. So what we can do is look at how we seek justice for the people that are victimized by bad motorist behavior. Um, And the VRU is the single greatest way, I think, to, to do that. All right. Well, Mike. You said she was awesome. I and told you. You, under, you under-promised and over-delivered, my friend. Uh, you were fantastic. Thank you Thank so much you. for Thanks joining for us. Thank you. for having me. I appreciate uh, it. We would like on this podcast to keep keep this up. We'll let, hopefully, Please. at That'd the end, in a few months, we can say, hey, a new law has passed. And that would be nice. And you're more protected. Yeah. I'd love to hear what the, what the listeners and viewers think, too. I'd like them to weigh in. If you don't mind, Matt, I'd like to hear from them because this is something that's important to all of us. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and one of the things that Floridians can do, you know, there's a lot of outrage um, that follows the um, publication of the the types of you know inappropriate sentences that are given to to drivers that are are, are killing people on the road. Um, so if we could take that outrage and just take maybe thirty seconds out of our our time, and you contact your senator or your house representative, and you tell them why this is important to you, you know, um, the court of public opinion is pretty powerful. That it is. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, it's rare when you can get the greatest reporter of a generation and the greatest lawyer of a generation yeah. all. Well, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Oh, you're not. I'm not a lawyer. Oh, okay. Yeah, See, I you talk like a lawyer, doesn't she? <laughs> I, should She's I be my offended? Favorite. I'm a big, you definitely should I'm be I'm a big fan. <laughs> Thank you guys so much Thanks for joining so us. Yeah, I, another I edition it. of Florida's Fourth Estate. Have yourself a great day.